I came home from college uh, for the summer, and he said, you know, uh, there's a new machine out there. Tomorrow the, the uh, setup, the uh, technician will be here. Joe Dubinsky, I think was his name, from from New Jersey, from Citizen, Marabini Citizen. And you're going to spend a month with him. You're going to set up five jobs. He's going to leave. And then you're going to have to make sure that thing runs day and night. Have, have a good summer. This is Swarfcast. I'm Noah Graff, here with my co-host, Lloyd Graff. Today's podcast is part one of a two-part interview with Dave Turo, second-generation owner of Turo Metal Products, a 56-person contract machining company located on Long Island. The company has a diverse group of customers, ranging from aircraft cabin hardware to optics and lighting. Today's podcast is brought to you by Graf Pinkert. Looking for a screw machine, rotary transfer machine, or CNC machine? Graf Pinkert's got you covered. When you're buying any used machine, you're taking a risk. So it's important to buy from someone who knows their stuff and who is going to give you straight information about what you're buying. Graf Pinkert is a family-owned firm that's been dedicated to selling great machine tools to the turn parts industry for 75 years. It specializes in the top multi-spindle brands, including Index, Schutte, Gildemeister, Tornos, ZPS, Acme, and Wickman. They also sell a variety of other types of used equipment, such as CNC Swiss, CNC turning centers, and parts washers. Machine tools are complicated. If you're going to buy one, you should go to people who are knowledgeable and committed to the industry. Learn more at www.graffpinkert.com. That's www.graffpinkert.com. Welcome to the podcast, Dave. Uh, We're with Dave Turo of Turo Metal Products. Where are you located, Dave? Uh, Brentwood, New York. Brentwood, New York. On on beautiful Long Island. Great. Let's get started with a little background on your company. Um, How long have you guys been around? Over 50 years. My dad founded the company on January 1st, 1965. But before we go um, any further with that, what components do you uh, specialize in there, in Turo Metal Products? We, we specialize in making componentry for aircraft cabin interiors, for cockpits, um, and we specialize in making a lot of products for fuel injection as well as an, uh, a variety of industrial components, HVAC. Uh, bearing and linear is one of the big markets we're in. And uh, of late, a lot of optics and lighting with a lot of change over to LED. There's been a lot of redesigns uh, in aircraft uh, where there's a huge upside to having a bulb last 20 times as long to you know, even uh, for high-end projects in, in uh, buildings and stuff in the city. So it's interesting. A lot of our, a lot of our components removes things. And of late, uh, the components go into optics and lighting from reading lights on aircraft to uh, things used by doctors and dentists in, in uh, operating rooms or in a dental office so they can see better. Well, that's a diverse uh, diverse array of parts. 
Dave, I'd like to know a bit about the history, uh, particularly focusing on your father, uh, your family history, and coming to America. Please give me the immigrant story of coming to the U.S. So my my dad was uh, German, but where where he grew up was in Yugoslavia. They were a German community living in Yugoslavia. They had German schools. Uh, they they lived in a very diverse community with different ethnic groups, but the Germans uh, lived amongst others in peace and kept their their way. He always likes to uh, remind me how they they didn't intermarry, but they, they you know they had friends from uh, other other ethnic backgrounds. And in at the beginning, my dad was born in Yugoslavia in 1934, and in 1944, I would say six to nine months before the end of World War II, the German army evacuated my dad. His mother, one of his cousins, and his paternal uh, grandmother, his uh, dad's mom. And the men were all fighting in the German army. They were called away. And the Russians were advancing. And, you know, I think one of the most formative things my dad went through in his life was those six months, at least, where they were on the road. And, uh, you know, I probably faced untold adversity and made it through the war. Was your grandfather drafted into the German army? He was in the SS. Yeah, my grandfather was drafted into the German army. Wow. Uh, He was old at the time. He went very late. He was in his 40s when he went and uh, went probably during the last six months of the war. And uh, he didn't. He 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 supposedly got ill, and spent most of the time in the hospital. But my dad had other relatives who who were lost in the war, younger men. You know who who my my father my grandfather was at the time fairly old and and was one of the last to be called as they were as the ranks were really getting thin. But they made him an SS. Well, yeah, they they you know he wasn't on the front line. So they made him, tried to make him an officer, and uh, because I guess of his age. But again, what did he do and where did he go? Not much. We don't know much about that. But he did make it through the war. He was reunited with my parents in Bremen. And then the family was moved uh, by the Germans to uh, 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 barracks outside of Munich. And for seven years, the family lived in barracks with, with Munich in sight. And uh, they started rebuilding their lives. Yugoslavia, there was the option. There's no option to go back to Yugoslavia to become communist. Interesting. So they, they, they were moved to back into Germany and uh, gradually rebuilded their lives. So and they were in a refugee camp. They were in a refugee camp. Yes, they were in, you know... Germany, most of Germany was, you know, bombed to oblivion. And so they were put in barracks. And uh, my shortly after the war, they applied, my, my, fa- my grandfather, my dad's dad, applied to come to the United States as a coal miner. And heard nothing. 
And they were living for seven years in barracks. Uh, they started, they were always very close-knit, you know, um, the entire family helping one another. And they gradually started buying land, building houses. And I would say after seven years, they moved into their first house. My dad became, at the age of 22, a, a master. He was very, very talented. This is still in Germany. This is in Germany. So born in 34, in the barracks, I would say from 45, 46 until 52, from what I gather, from what he's told me. Uh, 53, things really start getting going in Germany. I mean, the economy is booming. And he's he became an apprentice at 14 in Germany. So the war ended when he was probably 11. Comes back to Germany, takes an apprenticeship in a as an auto mechanic. And he had a really uh, forward-thinking boss who took him aside shortly after the apprenticeship started and said, Albert, the future is not going to be swapping car parts out. It's going to be making car parts. Opened the door to a room, and he had already uh, production equipment to make parts. Wow. So that was the foundation of it all. Yeah. So, you know, I, 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 you know, I don't know if I'd be here today if his former boss and, and first mentor didn't have the vision to say, look, you don't want to be an auto mechanic. You want to be a... Uh, a maker of these components because they're not going to back in the day when you had to fix a car you had to make your own parts but you know he's he was then i guess the the, the owner saw a a, a a talent in him and started getting him into machining and he continued getting his apprenticeship and by the time he was 22 shortly before he came to the united states in the mid 50s he was a, a master, you know, really uh, took to it. You know, he was always very mechanically inclined. Uh, he was a glider pilot. And back in the day, you built your own aircraft. He built the winch um, to pull the plane up. Today, to this day, the, the, the uh, we go back to Germany and we go to the club that he and his friends founded shortly after the war. They couldn't. They weren't allowed to fly, so they had to build the glider in the basement of a, a guest house, you know, a, a restaurant bar. And then when they were allowed to fly, they had to, they had to break the, the, the house down to get the plane out, you know. <laughs> wow. So, <laughs> so, I mean, this is, you know, my dad is a very, you know, very profound impact on our, on our risk-taking mentality, on, on our entrepreneurialism, because he survived the war as a 10-year-old with, with – his, with the men off, you know, fighting uh, with his grandmother and mother and his cousin and then lived in barracks and then very quickly uh, entered the industrial age in Germany. You know, so which how did Germany. he get to the U.S.? So one day, you know, he's got a great job. Life is looking beautiful. They have houses, you know, made so much progress in the last, let's say, five years. And he gets a letter from the U.S. Embassy. And they would like to speak to him. So he said to his parents, why do you think they want to speak to me? And his father told him, you know, I, I don't know, maybe it has something to do with the, uh, you know, what we did, I don't know, five years ago and put our name on a list. So he goes down and meets with a, a U.S. official and they tell him they have a family that will sponsor him. And probably four weeks later, he's on a boat 
on his way to live with a Lutheran pastor and his wife in Nassau County on Long Island. And he's he's how old at this time? 22. Uh-huh. Uh, maybe 24. Excuse me. He may have been 24. I think he came in 56. Uh-huh. So he was born in 34. He's probably 22, 23. Um, and so he arrives on a Thursday, goes to unemployment on a Friday. The un- he goes to the unemployment office on a Friday. Um, the only requirement was that he went to a shop that had a, a German-speaking foreman. So they found a, a shop on that Friday, the day after he arrived. Uh, he was on the job Monday. He knew no English at this time, I, I don't... I... And he knew no English. The only, the only <laughs> thing he learned quickly was salami sandwich. So for about the first six months, <laughs> he ate salami sandwiches at the diner. You know, that's what he felt. <laughs> so somebody sat next to him, you know, and started uh, helping him learn, you know, learn more. You know, so, yeah, he came, He came, you know, shortly after he, uh, he moved in with the pastor... He decided to move out, you know, because it was a little uncomfortable. He would go out at night, and here he is as a 20-year-old male, you know. And, you know, so he stayed with them for about three, four weeks. They had a young child. You know, he didn't feel comfortable there, and and they helped him get a room because he got a job right away. He didn't need—he got a good job right away. He didn't speak any English, but right away was contributing. Yeah, it's like today. You don't have to speak English. You just have to be good in a a shop. (laughs) Yeah. And that's, you know, then what he did was, uh, you know, he went into the U.S. Army. He was drafted about a year, met, met my mom. You know, he gets a letter probably, you know, this is, again, the U.S. government, right? Uh, you know, attracting talent a year or two. He's not even here, I think, a year. And he gets a letter saying, you know, you're, be, you're being drafted. So he decides, heck, you know, I'll, you know, I'll go to the Army. So he went to the Army, said it was one of the best things ever. He learned English. Gained about ten pounds. They gave him a great job building exhibits. So wait, he he did they tell him you'd get citizenship if you went to the army? Was it that kind of deal? You know, he's of course he's been a citizen forever, but I, I guess so. I, I have no idea. He just you know he's a guy who can make up his mind in about thirty seconds, and uh, <laughs> it never never stood down a challenge. So he went into the army. Again, he it was good for him because my he, he married my mom, you know, within six months, um, so they could live together. They gave him an apartment off base. He worked in the evenings as the foreman of a shop, you know, always very industrious. Started uh, then dreaming about going into business. At the end of his army tenure, Traub called him and wanted him to uh, wanted him to be a, a, an installer. He took a job with them, traveled the country for two years. Met all kinds of business owners, heard how they started in this 1,000-foot facility or in their basement or their garage. And, and Yeah. At Trout then was, they were making single spindle screw machines? What, Correct. What was their, their game? Yeah, Trout is single spindle automatics. So he was an expert in, in you know, methods engineering and setting up Traubs for a lot of, you know, large companies, small companies, you name it, you know. Um, and he would make it work. Uh, about three years, two after working for them for two years, he notified them he was going to go into business. They said, "Stay two years longer. We'll give you two two brand new machines, and uh, give you some work." He he stayed on a bit longer. I think it was Jan- it was uh, January first, nineteen sixty five. He quit his job and and uh, you know having given them 
two years notice, was given his machines and went into business. Listeners, do you have an idea for a future episode of Swarfcast? Or is your company interested in advertising on the Swarfcast podcast? If so, please send us an email at swarfcastpodcast at gmail.com. That's swarfcastpodcast at gmail.com. Okay, so we started with two Traubs and uh, a brand new, a brand new LeBlanc, LeBlanc lathe. Oh, LeBlanc was it around then? Is oh, Le, yeah. Is LeBlanc American or German or? No, it's American. Yeah. Everything brand new. Two brand new Traub lathes. Two a, a brand new LeBlanc lathe. I think a Bridgeport, brand new Bridgeport. My parents had saved sixty five thousand dollars. They bought their first home on Long Island. In at the same time in 1965 for thirty-two thousand uh-huh. dollars. So they were very frugal. Lived in a tiny apartment. Uh, well, my mom would. My mom worked. Uh, they is lived she up, from Europe or is she from U.S.? She was born in Brooklyn. Uh-huh. Uh, went went to a, a prestigious girls' high school and learned German. Oh, okay. I was going to say, how would she communicate with him? And f- right when he, I mean, they met literally right when he got here. Then. Yeah, my, my, my mother's maiden name is Voigtlander, so they were German, but not, you know, maybe a couple generations, uh, uh, you know, here already. And uh, her, her brother, uh, my uncle, encouraged her to take German, and uh, she speaks, you know, fluent German. Huh, interesting. How, how is your German? Uh, nicked, nicked, nine. <laughs> I can count, I can order a beer. Um, and uh, and uh, that's about it. You know, my parents, American, my dad especially, Americanized extremely quickly. And they, my mom speaks German. You know, we have a lot of dealings with German companies, and um, I hear them speak German, but... Oh, that's useful, yeah. Because she still works in the business too, right? Yeah, she's here, you know, five days a week. She, she uh, pays the bills. Interesting. And your dad is, what, 89 or something? Or? He's going he's gonna to be 34, so he's going to be 85 in September. 85. Uh-huh. Interesting. That's and, great. And, he, and he's still at the company as, as in a, an advisory role, you'd say? Um, yeah, he's, he would tell you he's more than that, but uh, yeah, he, <laughs> he helps us if we have a new project. I mean... To this day, what his passion is, and I think as I see in him as you get older, you know, what you really love becomes, you know, the, the things that remain. And he, he loves tooling. You know, what we do around here with these machines we have, whether it's an eight spindle Wickman or it's a, it's a CNC Swiss machine or it's a mill turn or it's a horizontal milling machine or it's a vertical milling machine, we deliver a tool to metal, Right. And the more we can do it and overlap it, or the faster we can do it, we save time. But the fundamental thing that we do here is cut metal. And the fundamental thing you need to understand to cut metal is tooling. And uh, I remember from when I was a kid to this day, him sitting around his pool on Sunday reading Cutting Tool Engineering. (laughs) (laughs) To this day, he is the foremost expert in tool design. And he's embraced embraced the CNCs as well in... Yeah, he has. I mean, in 1977, I heard you know I heard you interview Bill Cox, and it was funny. There were a lot of parallels. You know, we got our first Icky Guy FX20 CNC, which my cousin, who came over from Germany, was tasked to uh, set up. 
So he did. My dad, you know, my dad is very progressive, although he, you know, is 84, was always very progressive, whether it was office equipment. I mean, he always tells the story how he had the first fax machine <laughs> and they got all this business because they got all the prints faxed to him, you know, so... And my mother was always the conservative one who had to, you know, pay the bills and would say, Albert, 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 but how can we afford this new machine? You know, so. <laughs> so I have a question for you. Did you always think you were going to go in the business? I, I think the answer to that is yes. I mean, I loved, I, I'm a, I'm a, I love the entrepreneurial nature of what we do. My dad is a serial entrepreneur. He started five companies. He started a company in 1988 in Texas, you know, 1,500 miles away. He started before that a company that made hydrodynamic bar feeds. And if he was better capitalized, we would be doing probably that today. Uh -huh. um, serial entrepreneur, I, 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 really, I really enjoyed his, uh, his aggressive approach. And I love business and I love, I really love business. You know, uh, he's more into the, technology and the nitty-gritty but i absorbed enough of it to be able to you know help him especially when i started you know run the business administrative Good. david i i wanted to ask you about something that uh it would be close to you and your father and that is your choices on equipment i mean you started he started out with two traubs and a leblonde and a bridgeport so uh, i've talked to you before about uh, how you're looking at indexes and Nakamura's and this and that. I mean, we have a long history with them. How many Wickmans have we sold them over the years? We sold some one and three eighths Wickmans way back in the eighties, or so. But I want to know. So, what are you buying these days, and why? We're buying. Um, you know, in the last year or two, we've bought four twenty millimeter Swiss. My passion, you know, as my dad is is turning things, you know, more and more over to me, especially in the last 10 years, my passion is Swiss machining. In 1991, my dad, when I came home from my junior year of college, uh, gave me a, a brand new L20 Citizen. I had been running the Becklers prior. Uh, my dad in 19... 60, in the early, late 60s, shortly after he started, he bought his first brand new Strom. And so we, he's, we, we've been Swiss machining shortly from shortly after the time the company was so founded. So say, you say he gave you a brand new uh, citizen? Yeah, I mean, I came home from college uh, for the summer and he said, you know, uh, there's a new machine out there. Tomorrow the, the uh, setup, the uh, technician will be here, Joe, Joe, Joe. Dubinsky, I think was his name from from New Jersey, from Citizen, Marabini Citizen. And you're going to spend a month with him. You're going to set up five jobs. He's going to leave. And then you're going to have to make sure that thing runs day and night. Have, have a good summer. <laughs> that's how he, that's literally how he operated with me. You know, he selected uh -huh. the jobs, selected the tooling. You know, I had three years of experience already in the shop, probably full time experience. And so my passion is, you know, has always been automatic bar machining. I mean, I love the multi-spindles because we can do 12 things at a time on certain parts. But, you know, we, uh, my personal passion, I mean, if I had to leave the office and do anything, I, I wouldn't mind being a setup guy. You know, it's these machines, 
the bars aren't too heavy. You hold the box in your hand with, you know, that, that weighs about five pounds, and there's $5,000 worth of parts in there. You know, <laughs> on, on the multi-spindles, if to, to have $5,000 worth of parts, they would they would crush you. You know, you couldn't even <laughs> have four guys pick them up. So, you know, in some ways we're complex in our thinking. In some ways we're real simple. The machines are extremely precise, extremely productive. They're not super-duper expensive. And uh, You like Citizens? No, you know, we're a Star user. Star, that's right. Citizen makes a great machine, and we have probably still three three citizens on the floor. But Star is within twenty miles of our facility. It's it's funny how sometimes things go with companies. The uh, George Bursack and my dad grew up in the same town. Oh really? So, Who's George Bursack? He's the head of Star. He's like almost like a family. It feels like a family member. So I, I get probably the best. You know, I probably get. Uh, I don't know. I don't think I'm as good a haggler as Bill, but. I don't even have to haggle with George. You know, he gives us great service. Uh, oh yeah, you want you want us to train someone for two or three weeks? No problem. You know, we'll just throw that in with the two last machines you bought. And he's been really good to us, and they're nearby, and their machines really fit well with what we do. Okay, get. so you're um, so one of the reasons why you like Star is because of a personal relationship you have with George Bursack. Yeah. Uh, the second thing is their proximity. Correct. The third thing is they give you great service. Correct. And uh, as a machine, it's very capable, but probably not much different than a Citizen or a Sugami or a, or a Tornos, right? Yes, that's correct. And, you know, we, we at some point needed to make a choice, Lloyd. Um, obviously, I want to scale this company, and you know, in the beginning, you try lots of different things, right, and see kind of where the what works best, and then you start to make conscious decisions to say, look, we're going to, you know, we're going to stick with this, right? We're mm-hmm. going to stick with this, and obviously, even with our customers we've had for a long time, sticking with people, as we've stuck with you, if I need a screw machine, I'm going to call you. Uh, you know, it, it's it's just easier to work with people that you know. And so mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. we, you know, start, citizen fine equipment, I would think a little bit more expensive and a little bit more capable than, than what we have. I mean, one thing that we always say around here is the right part on the right machine. And, uh, you know, our work could also be made on a citizen and the stars are a little bit I would say less capable, but exactly what we need for the work we do. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Okay, so we made a choice five years ago, you know, just to stick with them, and it doesn't mean that can't change at some point. Mm-hmm. But uh, I don't see that changing in the next five years. I see us continuing to buy at least two machines a year, maybe four, two to four machines a year is our goal. On the next episode of Swarfcast, no matter how busy we think we are we always look for for new customers uh, the first thing i told them in 11 when we started was we're going to say no a lot more often than we say yes so we're very selective we look for long-term opportunities not a job but we look for a relationship and our goal every year is to add at least two strategic accounts a strategic account is an account that you know delivers Monthly sales of anywhere from fifty to a hundred thousand dollars. Hey, everybody! 
First, we just want to thank you for listening to the podcast. It boosts our egos, and of course, your ears are the reason we do this. But it would be great if you could subscribe and leave a review, as it'll help other people discover it. Talk to you soon.